Listen, um, I want to introduce to you our, our first guest of the show. This segment we call Live on the Drew Marshall Show, devoted solely to the art of music, uh, because over the years I've discovered that music has spoken to my soul sometimes and most often, actually, um, better and louder and, and more, I don't know, it gets through uh, better than preachers. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we've got a guy in the studio named Liam Titcomb, and uh, when, uh, when singer-songwriter uh, Liam Titcomb was 13... Actually, I want to go through this. This I don't want to read this because he's in the room, and it's always weird when you read someone's bio and they're they're in the room. You know what I mean? Don't do that. Don't no no. But I want to read I want to read it with you in the room, and I want to stop it a couple things. Okay. So first of all, the website is liamtitcomb.com. L i a m Liam Titcomb T i t c o m b dot com. Thirteen years old, you were performing at the Bamboo Club in Toronto. Yeah. I didn't know they took strippers that young. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't a strip club. It was a, oh. it was an incredible, uh, I guess, uh, just pl- played a lot of different j- genres of music in that club. Uh, I guess it originally started as a world music venue in a lot of ways, reggae music and stuff, but it became a, a staple of the Queen West scene. And uh, But how did, as a 13-year-old, how did you get in there? You must have connections. Was your family in the biz? Yeah, my dad's a singer-songwriter, and I grew up in the whole scene. So he was playing his show there, and I was opening for him. Is your dad kind of a big deal? He's had some success. Yeah, in the folk world, uh, he's been uh, yeah he's had some success. Would I mean, Ken Whiteley know him? They they've known each other forever. That's what I thought. Yeah. I did I did drop your name once, and it was to Ken when he he was wasn't Ken here a few weeks ago, Tim? Yeah, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and uh, he said nice things about your family. Well, he's he's yeah, their family's very close to ours. You're a very soft speaker. Uh, <laughs> very very soft. Uh, are you a kind person as well? I try to be. So um, a Sony music exec took note of your vocals at the age of 13 and uh, your ease on stage and offered you a development deal. Uh, and I'm assuming that those deals are contingent upon uh, how your voice sounds after the boys drop? <laughs> um, oddly enough, I was, in kind of, I was on the tail end of all that process, but, but your voice is constantly developing you know, between the ages of 15 and 20. It's yeah. always changing. So, yeah. yeah not, not so much that, but just like depth and range. And I'd, I'd, I'd gotten through that part. So you grew up backstage at festivals with your singer-songwriter dad, uh-huh. Brent, and uh, you signed to Sony when you were 15. Yeah. How much did you make? I can't tell you that. Dang! <laughs> was it cool? Like, were you stoked? Did you know at 15 what was going down? Not really. I mean, I mean, I was, ex- of course I was stoked. I was incredibly excited, but... Um, yeah. I also didn't have any of those strange illusions. Definitely the illusions some of my friends had. There was some weird aggression towards me at that point. Uh, where they kind of would uh, assume I had all, a lot of money, which I didn't. Um, I was just working really hard like anyone else. And, um, and it I is think, still called the Canadian music business. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and, it, and it costs money to make money. Yes. I mean, make music and make money. Um, so it was an interesting time, but I, I mean, I was thrilled. But yeah, I, I, because of my dad, I didn't have any kind of grand illusions of what you know I was going to become. You just told me what you what you signed for there subliminally, <laughs> grand. Um, but that was horrible. Before the release of your first album, by the way, you were seventeen years old when you released your first album. Yeah, it's kind of Bieber esque. Yeah, except musically, as far the other direction as it goes. Yes. Go. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Uh, although he just did a lovely acoustic thing at the Danforth Music Hall for some charity that totally. his mom and he were, they benefited from in I, Stratford, I believe. I think Bieber's a very talented guy. I don't think he's a, he's a very well-behaved guy, that's all. I think, honestly, I'm going to go on the record. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he, this is the start of the turnaround. 
we'll, yeah, I really we'll do. S- we'll see, right? No, I know we'll it's, it's it really I is a we'll see. You, Drew. We'll do see. You? Yeah, we're too old guys. We know nothing though. No, but when <laughs> I had his mom on the show a little while ago, and uh, you know, you, it's the whole apple uh, f- from the tree falling far sentence. Well, thing. and and just get this: like, anybody who makes that amount of money and that amount of fame at that age in their life, who's who's not going to go insane? It doesn't matter how you're raised. Candace Cameron didn't go insane. Did Candace Cameron have as much money? No, probably not. Maybe, no, probably yeah. not. Okay, all right. Yeah. Touring across Canada with established acts like uh, Tom Cochrane. Uh, great, great big C, David Usher. Yeah, all those guys. Colin James. Mm-hmm. And Blackies? Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Right. I don't know any of these groups. <laughs> <laughs> Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. I remember a, a guy from, uh, uh, True North Records. Yeah. Uh, he was there, uh, the guy that was uh, responsible to suck up to the radio people. So he would send me CDs and, and, but we had a great, we had great conversations. I really liked this guy. I can't, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Yeah. And he sent me, uh, one of the first Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, you know, quite yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Like how long have they been uh, kind of 10 years? Yeah, yeah. That was about 10 years ago. Yeah. And now I, I wish I had them on the show because I didn't, because yeah. uh, they're kind of a big deal now. Yeah. Who was, uh, who's the person that you toured with that, that you got silly and giddy about? Um, it wasn't any of the tours so much as one-offs. Like um, the biggest one was definitely the Joni Mitchell tribute uh, birthday celebration I did at Luminato yeah. um, at Massey Hall. That was incredible. I've, I've been fortunate to play Massey Hall actually quite a few times, but to do that, that was amazing because that was with her band. So some of the best musicians in the world. Um, one of them, particularly my hero, Brian Blade, is a drummer. He was the musical director of the night, and so I got to play with her band. I got to sing with her and hang out with her that night, and. Uh, uh, that was yeah. How long about. ago was that? It was about two years ago. So and she's has she recovered from that? Uh, no, as far as I know. Was it a skin thing or something or something? Well, no, that no, that she's always or? had. Oh, okay. But, but what she put her in the hospital recently? They're not saying a lot, but it sounds like strokes, kind of that kind of stuff. Oh, boy, so. That's tough. That's tough. That might have been the last time she ever sang in public, and I got to be there. So that's that's cool. so cool, man. Pretty so cool. cool. That was like one of the last interviews James Brown ever gave was me. Really? Yeah. Was he was he totally off his rocker? No, he was uh, he was pretty solid actually. Yeah, we, we interviewed him up in his suite at at Rama after his concert. By the way, never interview if you ever do this. This is what I do: yeah. don't interview somebody after you've just seen them perform if they're a legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that might mess with you a little bit. Oh, I, like I don't get wound about anything these days. I just don't. Right. I, I don't but, want. I, I don't but, want to sound pretentious about that, but I just you know eh, yeah. whatever. I know James Brown, but it's James freaking Brown. Yeah, and when, for an hour and a half, where you see him going, Hugh! yeah. Hugh! <laughs> and then he comes in with his entourage, his hairstylist, and his yeah. with the women and the and the cape and the cape and the, <laughs> and the security. And Mr. Brown is here. Mr. Brown, part the ways. Here comes Mr. Brown. Wow. I don't know what it's like, it sounds like. Mike Tyson's grandfather. <laughs> Mr. Brown. Mr. Mr. Um, can you do a song and rescue me from my banter? Sure. Please? What uh, What are you What are you going to do there, uh, Liam? Tell uh, us. I'll do. Um uh, in uh, kind of, we talked about James Brown and Joni Mitchell. I'll do a song called um, "I Want to Go Back," which is kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek way of, of saying I felt like I was born, uh, born in the wrong uh, decade. And, and so, I'm sorry, what's it called? I want to go back. I want to go back. What decade do you would you have liked to have been born in? Uh, I'd say the late fifties would have been pretty rad. I think I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah late fifties. Yeah. Um, when were you born? I, let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Pipcomb on the Drew Marshall Show.
Or maybe it's some rose on my glasses It's coloring my view But there's something deep inside of me Oh, coming out for a different truth To be a child of 67 Oh, that's what I call heaven I want to go back to when things were easy I want to go back to the summer of love I want to go back because I don't belong here I wish I'd been to Woodstock Oh, just singing in the rain There was magic in our music Yeah, that we need to hear again To be a child of 69 Somehow I miss my time Summer of love. I wanna go back because I don't belong here. I wanna go back. Whoa, child of 69 Somehow I miss my time I want to go back to when things easy I want to go back to the summer of love I want to go back because I don't belong here I want to go back Yeah, I want to go back to when things were easy Liam Titcomb on the Drew Marshall Show. So, um, I was told about you a number of years ago. This is what's happening to me after 13 years of doing the show. Mm-hmm. I come across fantastic human beings like yourself, Thank and you. and I, I discover that I should have had them on a long time ago. <laughs> you okay. Were you this good a long time ago? I don't know. You'd have to have seen me then and tell me. <sighs> You're so Canadian. <laughs> if you were American, you would have said, yeah. Well, Thank I'm you. working on it. Yeah. Um... Do you do you have uh, something in your career that you want to brag about and to, that you're looking forward to? Something in the future you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Um, one just kind of general big change for me is that I've I've decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee. So it's funny you guys were just talking about that Grand Ole Opry show. Yeah. Um, 
As a songwriter, I've spent a lot of time there over you know last twelve years of my life. Staying in Canada House. Uh, I have, yes, yes, in SoCan's house there. SoCan's house, whatever that um, was called. Yeah, is it called SoCan House or Canada? Can, Canada. SoCan House, yeah, because it's SoCan's like the it's their their their. their place. So when you're down there and the kids are all staying at the SoCan House, do you say <laughs> you know let's go back to the can? No, do you, do you no. kind of hip it up like that no, at all. No. no. Okay, so what, so, were, so what were <laughs> <laughs> so what were you saying? Uh, anyways, I just saw that. I'm just thrilled because I've spent a lot of time there, made records there. It's been a great city for me. And uh, I've, speaking of being Canadian, I've, I think I've been Canadian long enough, and I've I've kind of wussed out, and um, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I'm moving down there, going okay. to crack down there in the states, and uh, very excited about that. Do you, now, how do you survive when you're down there? Do you have to busk? Do you have to wait tables? Is there a uh, like a Chip, no. Chippendales review or something? I mean, people do what they got to do, I'm sure, but I'm I'm in a good situation where I've got a publishing deal that's going to help me. Come on! It. Yeah, so now I have to make them money. That's how it works, but that's yeah. okay. It's a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is there a saloon or a place that you'd like to perform in in Nashville that you haven't already? Have you played at the one with the horses on the ceiling? Uh, the horses on the ceiling? Yeah, like the merry-go-round horses. They're upside down on the ceiling. No. No, that's a cool place. Where I want to play, I want to play the Ryman. That's where I want. Of course, play. you do. That's uh, like the the best, beautiful. It's it's the Massey Hall of Tennessee. Yeah. You know, so who was uh, Tim? Who was on the show recently that played at the Ryman? Uh, J P Cormier. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. He was on a couple of weeks ago. Boy, that he can play a little he, guitar. He can play. Whew. He can play anything. That's crazy. You heard him play fiddle? No, it's he, upsetting. He plays everything just as well. I hate him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of those. Although I did, I did fluster him when I told him Tommy Emanuel performed in that same spot, and he was like, <laughs> "That guy can play." When J.P. Cormier says that guy can play, yeah, yeah, that guy can play. Yeah. So Nashville, that'll be good. Yeah. Um. So do you? I mean, okay, you're you're one of these uh, uh, singer songwriters that I would hear on the bridge because you've got the uh, you got the higher male voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called, tenor. No, what are you? I don't know. Okay. I never and then you you know you got the soft, subtle sultry tones and then you're, you're a good axe player nice acoustic kind of thing right um, do you see an end to that genre because th- things are cyclical thank uh-huh. god because that means the 90s are over yeah but they're uh, coming back oh because they are not yeah they are if we have something like Depeche Mode ever come back again I will Tanya Harding that group oh they're already on their way man no oh yeah and they're releasing cassettes at their shows <laughs> it's happening mixtapes yeah do you think there will be an end to the to this genre that you are a part of? No, and I agree, but I I want to know why you uh, think. Well, because it's uh, it's such a broad genre, right? I mean, it's weird that we call it a genre because really what it is is a person who writes songs and plays them on acoustic guitar and sings. But you know, you can't say Dolly Parton's the same as I don't know Robert Johnson. You know, like, but literally they're, they're a couple both of main reasons why they're not the same. Yeah. 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 Two, two large round ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like, it's. it's For all the homeschoolers in the crowd, we're talking about breasts. Yeah. Dolly Parton's. Oh, right. Big, big yeah. fake ones. In the studio at this particular point in time is uh, Liam Titcomb. And Liam um, and I were just chatting about useless things. And now we want to transition into a song and then come back to some conversation about deeper things like spiritual stuff. All right. Well, spiritual I, stuff. I got the song for that. You got I'm the right gonna... song? What's the setup, man? This is a song. Um, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> I was working on my second album in Nashville, and I needed uh, another song. I went down with a, a lot of songs, probably about 20 songs. Uh, my producer, Jay Joyce, 
kind of helped me whittle them down. And he felt we didn't have the perfect 10. He thought that I could write a different one that could be better than one we were considering as a yeah. 10th song. Um, so I went home one night and I was working on it. I didn't know what to do, but I had, I had just um, I read this book called Black Elk Speaks, which is about um, uh, the Lakota and North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota, just their experience through you know wounded knee and all those things. He was one of those guys that lived through all that. And uh, um, I was raised, as we'll talk about, with uh, mostly um, Tibetan Buddhism and Native American traditions. So this was an important book for me to to read. And um, anyways, it inspired me to to write something about basically reaching out for a higher power and and doing something uh, with more meaning. So that's what this is about. And what's it called again? Reach up. Love it. Live on the Drew Marshall Show. Liam Titcomb. Stopping in the woods cause he can't eat the lies How's he supposed to walk in a sacred way If he can't words and don't mean what we say Smoke signal rises over the clouds Thunder and lightning, spirits sing loud Smell the sweet grass, hear the drum pound Do a ghost dance, feed off the ground Robin sings a brave new song She's calling in the spring No, it won't be long Stop and give thanks To the light of the dawn Wise gray cloud Sing another song on the Drew Marshall Show. Uh, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> Man. So yeah, there's a little depth there in this boy. As he says uh, in the most shallow way possible. So what is... What? what? the You like you like Buddha? What? Uh, well... Explain. You know what I mean? I'll can explain. You, can you? So both my parents are, are products of the 60s. And... Um, for them, they really lean towards the uh, spiritual nature of that and, and trying to find a deeper meaning in life. And um, 
for them, the places that connected most of them, you know, faith-wise, the, old, uh, the interesting thing about them is that they were never like, I don't want to, you know, believe in Christianity because I'm a white person. That's the institution I was grown up in. It was never that. It was like, Are you saying that happens? It, I think it might. Um, I, they were more like, what's right for me? What do I connect with? What is going to be, you know, my kind of path to walk on to fulfill that part of my life? Right. And they explored a bunch of different things. And my dad ended up um, spending a lot of time in the Native community. And as a white guy, that's not an easy thing to do. But it always brought him back there. And but how did he end up spending that much time in the Native community? Amazingly, it started with, at the YMCA. He grew up in West Vancouver. And one of his best, friend, best friends, Bryce, was a Native guy who ran a Native dance troupe at the YMCA in the 50s. And my dad joined that. And it started this friendship with this guy, Bryce. And um, he just had this natural attraction towards it. And, um, and it spoke to him a lot. And his journey went on from there. So he ended up just spending a large part of his life in that community, and then also um, as just a byproduct of, of, of existing as a singer-songwriter, um, he ended up spending a lot of time with Tibetan Buddhists and, uh, and Rinpoches, and, and so those kind of two things were a big thing for him, and oddly enough, when he met my mom, there was a lot of crossover. So my mom had explored in a lot of different areas, um, some of them having you know, roots in Christianity, some of them not, um, but it also spent a lot of time with uh, the idea of Buddhism and... Um, and in the Native American community. So it was really just a fluky thing that they found each other. So are you into this, or are you a Buddhist? I, I don't like saying I'm anything, because I... Because you're a product of a generation that doesn't want labels. No, no, oh. because I don't practice anything. Oh. And I feel we don't really, in my personal opinion, I feel I don't, I can't claim the right no. to belong to religion if I don't practice it. Unless you're going to own it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't go to church every weekend. I don't pray every day. I don't meditate every day. Yeah. I don't do any of it any day, every day. So. so is there anything about any particular religion that has intrigued you enough to maybe tempt you into hunkering down into it? Uh, the ones I was raised with. So Native American tradition uh, plays a big role in my life. Yeah. Um, um, the basic, you know, huge rules of their whole concept, you know, like respecting your elders and, and looking after the earth. Like those are things that I live with every day and, and, and really live by. Um, and then certain things in Buddhism where, you know, mindfulness and knowing that we're, there's impermanence where none of us are going to be here forever and compassion. And those things are just part of what I do and exist. And those are things I relate to. But I think yeah. I'm not at a point, at least now in my life, where... I'm actively practicing the faith. Do you, yeah, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say this, and, and if it's wrong, then please tell me. Yeah. Um, Tim, you're not allowed to do that, but I'll let our guests yeah. uh, do that. Um, who, I, I, uh, who's your hero? Do you have a hero, and who's your hero, if you do have a hero? I, I have, uh, I don't definitely, not one, but, well, if I was going to pick one, it would be my sister. Um, because of incredible things she's lived through, trials and tribulations, and she gives me... Is that shareable, or is that private? Uh, it, I mean, she, it was just a, a long, drawn-out uh, abuse situation, and, and then the... Uh, do you want me to... The fallout from that. Do you want me to find him? Uh, well, there's, there's... Don't worry, we we know who, and we know where, and we've all considered doing terrible things, but... It, no, but you're related. They'll look for you. They won't consider me. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, uh, maybe. Except we'll, the we'll fact that I just said this now. <laughs> But um, yeah, so she's probably my individual hero just because of the uh, the way she's risen up time and time again in her life, hmm. and uh, and has really become an incredible person. What is it about your parents mm -hmm. that has caused you to lean into who they are so much, musically, spiritually? You it know, was, um, they included me in everything they did, but never with an obligation. I think was what a, a big part of it. So it was like. 
we're going to this music festival now. Come to this music festival. Or we're going to this fundraiser for, you know, this, this Tibetan Rinpoche. Or we're going to do a sweat lodge on, you know, Rama Reserve. Or we're going to Manitoulin to see this old medicine man. And I was there for the education more than anything. And I don't think they assumed I was going to have interest or faith or believe all the same things they did. Yeah. But they were like, this is experience, and this is experience in areas of your life that we think is important, which mm-hmm. is, you know, spirituality, um, some wisdom in general, and, and music, and culture, and all those things. <laughs> so I think it allowed me to make my own decision, and, and because I was obviously raised by those people, a lot of the things I believe in generally um, uh, probably lean, you know, I'll, I'll lean towards those things because they, they made, that's how I was raised, right? With all the, and we'll get into another song here just in a second, but with all the supernaturally the potential for supernatural stuff out there, which I, I'm a skeptic, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a red-letter agnostic theist. Good luck figuring out what that means. But what, I, what I'm in search of is something – I want to know if there's something – I would like yeah. to experience a supernatural thing. Because, look, I've hung out in the Jesus scene for long periods of time, long, yeah. long period of time, 30 years or whatever. And I've experienced bubkis mm-hmm. as far as supernatural stuff. But you hear about all these people experiencing this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, I kind of go, eh, really? Really? Mm-hmm. You think it was it really? But have you ever experienced anything supernatural? Because I'm thinking sweat lodge. I'm, and then I go, well, but maybe that's just hallucinating because you're hot and sweaty. You know, it's like you're like yeah. one step shy of ayahuasca. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm still on my own path about what is that. I mean, I, I believe in the supernatural in the sense that I know there are things we can't quite explain. And I have experienced those. Have you? I don't know if it can be explained with science in some can time. You, do you want to share one or no? Um, I mean... Like, I promise I won't laugh. It, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's realizations, there's visions, things like that. Um, I haven't had a tremendous amount of those in my life. Right. It's happened to my mom and my sister. Um, I had an experience once where I just was kind of laid out and couldn't control my body. That was something that happened to me. Isn't that called uh, sex? <laughs> oh, I just kind of uh, had no control. I kind of went limp my whole body. And uh, I was so that's not aware. sex? No, no. no. Um, so that, that was the closest thing I had to a physical So experience. what happened? Well... I don't know. Otherwise, I would I would have a better understanding. No, but of what, what was the set like? Were you Pizza Hut? Were no, you? No, I was. It was. It oh, was. Why that it came was, into my head? It, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was during Native American ceremony, and uh, it was. Or it was just after, and um, it was basically, in my experience, it was an example of power and what. Uh, or, or, I think I was being. I was young, and I basically asked the question: Do you really, you know, think you have this this power to influence people's, you know? lives right. and in a good way or a bad way right. or do you really believe in this thing and and uh and this woman just laid me out <laughs> and it wasn't scary because what I, do you mean she laid you out dude fill in the blanks man well it's hard to explain how did she did she do it like a benny hinn thing and whap you in the forehead and no you were... there was no touching me or anything it was just kind of an intention and a, and a gaze and and uh so this foxy woman stared you down and you went down on a the... very old woman oh, okay <laughs> Just trying to fill in no. some blanks here. Very old woman. So this cougar stared you down. <laughs> and I, I, I don't get this, man. And I didn't get it. I still don't get it but to this I, day. I wouldn't mind something weird like that. Because then I would but go, it, okay, it doesn't there, there work is. That way. It never would, you know. I mean, nothing in life works that way. I'd like to have a million dollars. You know, that's not happening. No, because that's temporal and not yeah, but cool. This is, uh, another thing that drives me crazy is things like... Um, uh, God, the, the kind of yoga that's about um, being enlightened. I'm having a brain thing right now. Kundalini yoga. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
anybody who's experienced Kundalini that I have, you know, heard about, yeah. read about, or maybe met in passing, says it's the worst experience ever because your your ego completely crumbles into nothingness, and you don't know what you, who you are, why you exist, or what the point of anything is, and it's a terrible thing. And all these, you know, people are going to Kundalini yoga, think they're being enlightened with, with this terrible intention. So I think for me, a big thing about all this is what's your intention, and. My my intention in all this. Can I make it about me just for a second? Yeah, Do you mind? It's about us. We're talking. I would like to to experience the other, mm-hmm. so that I know there is the other. Because right. at this point in my life, after so many years thinking there there is other, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure anymore. So, and I look at I'm at this point where I I don't even mind you know doing pulling a Romeo Dallaire and shaking hands with the devil just to make sure that I, I I'm convinced that there's the other. Right. Because if there's the other good or the other bad, at least I know there's the other. Right. Do you know what I'm saying, or are you just I do. staring I do. at me? No, like, I totally know what you're saying. Because I'm good looking. I know. Um, I don't know. I guess the the faiths and beliefs I was raised with don't put a face on that, though. And I think no, yeah, no. You know, so I, I, it's, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to know too, but I, I don't. I'm not hunting for it right now. What's on your hand, and why is it there, and is it permanent? It's a tattoo. <laughs> Thanks, tips. Uh, it's a tattoo of clouds. <laughs> What? That's not clouds. And it's done in a Tibetan style. In these, uh, so those are Tibetan seen, clouds. Uh, they're called tonkas. They're these uh, wall hangings with a finely Aren't painted. Aren't those trucks? No, it's spelled T H A G K A. Wait, that's what. Remember the movie with the white guy who hung out with the Indians. There's been a few of them. Dances with wolves. Dances with wolves. Tim knows. I just need to fill in a little bit of blank, and he'll get it. Tatanka. Tatanka. Oh, I got that wrong. I knew that. All right. Tatanka is buffalo. Tonka, T-O-N-K-A, is a truck, and T-U-N-K-A is a Tibetan for clouds? It's T-H-A-N-G-K. Oh, frig. Uh, well, anyway. Can you just do a song? <laughs> yeah. Get me out of this. What are you doing? Uh, let's do... Um... Do you have a song called Tatanka, by chance? About um, buffalo? James Taylor has a song about Buffalo. Joni Mitchell, looking at clouds from both sides now. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim the Tool. <laughs> I'll do, um, since you're getting a divorce lawyer in later today, Here's this is for that. <laughs> Are we set? That's it? That's the setup? We're not yeah. telling anyone? Okay. We were dancing out the Dakota Catching up over a cheap beer Hadn't seen you in at least a year We stayed until they closed up I guess at first I didn't understand Cause I'd seen the ring on your left hand If you don't mean it Please don't repeat it My heart can't take this pain Vows are broken, leave it unspoken I don't know how you can't see Those three words are killing Myself in your house, you told me that is always gone away. Well, if you got the gigs, man, you gotta play. Laughing, drinking red wine, and everything was gone just fine till your lips were pressed against mine. If you 
can't take this pain Bows are broken Leave it unspoken I don't know why you can't see Those three words are killing me Those three words are killing me Those three words are killing me Here I am a few years later In an airport a million miles away But suddenly it feels like yesterday Cause someone's wearing your scent And it still makes my heart sink like a stone Never knew I could feel this alone If you don't be there Please don't repeat it my heart can't take this pain Vows are broken Leave it unspoken I don't know why you can't see Those three words are killing me Those three words are killing me Those three words are killing me Don't know why you can't see Those three worlds are killing me Liam Titcomb on the Drew Marshall Show. Dude, um, so so far you haven't sucked at all. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> the kind of compliments I give. One time a long time ago I said to a girl, you know, for a big girl you don't sweat much. Ooh. That was a good compliment. I didn't go over well, did it? And it was my boss's daughter, too. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Did you get fired? No, but we were walking along the beach at the time, and you know the, the poem Footprints in the Sand? Yeah. It was the opposite. <laughs> Hers went one way, my, mine went the other. Uh. Her, her deep footprints went one way, and <laughs> oh, mine went the other. Oh. Is she carrying you? Are you carrying Stop her? Stop it. All right. Oh, no. In the studio with Liam Titcomb, his uh, website is L-I-A-M-T-I-T-C-O-M-B, Liam Titcomb. Uh, we got to talk about a bunch of things. We're running out of time here. Okay. First of all, um, that was a nice endorsement from Gordon Lightfoot that I read somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Is it true? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to read it. Hold on. Yeah, I wonder how you do Gordon Lightfoot now. He sort of talks a little... We have a community here in Toronto of singer-songwriters trying to break out of the mold and go somewhere. Occasionally, I'll spot one who's really good, and the one who comes to mind right now is Liam Titcomb. You'll have to check that one out. Yeah, that was a really cool quote because it was in, with an American magazine with, uh, in Louisville, um, and I got a Google alert. That's the only reason I knew about it. But I do know Gord, and he's been incredibly supportive. I'm sorry, did you just say Gord? Yeah. Are you allowed to call him Gord? Yeah, yeah, you call him Gord. Um, okay, you don't understand. This is <laughs> this is a big deal for me. Okay, good. I'm glad. That's good. We can share that. Um, my dad's known him forever. So oh, stop I, I with was, the... I was in a fortunate situation where I could meet him when I was young. But even better than that, he was generous enough with his time that when I first put my first album out, he asked for a copy. And then he called me and talked to me about it. And then he's done that with both of my albums since. 
and he's written me a letter for uh, you know uh, I had a, an application for a grant and he wrote me an endorsement letter a full page letter crazy um, he's, he's quite a man he, I mean I'm not close to him it's not like he's a friend of mine but he's very supportive uh, of Canadian talent and, and apparently of me so I'm grateful yeah well um, you've got a gig coming up that we need to let people know about yeah um, Liam will be performing live at Burdock, which mm-hmm. is on Bloor Street West, 9 p.m. this coming Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. Uh, tickets are 13 bucks uh, in advance, 15 at the door. Burdockto.com, B-U-R-D-O-C-K-T-O.com, Burdockto.com. I have been there once. I was there for a CD launch uh, for for a friend of mine and uh it's a it's a very intimate room it's a nice little setup i like it yeah it's like great pa but very small place so uh we can um we can expect now is this just a gig or are you really launching ex- it's not a launching any- the just- deal is i haven't been playing a lot of gigs oh you haven't no in the last two years i've played very very little gigs compared to any time poor Kwai. um i had to take a break for the first time i had been doing it for 10 years and i kind of freaked out I was really, really really not sure about my talk about faith, my faith in in my choice of career and my in music. And uh, I mean, that's kind of normal for anyone in this business. Once a year, you have some kind of meltdown. But it was uh, it was a lot bigger than that normal meltdown I'd have once a year. And I just needed to uh, to take a break, kind of ease off the gas a little bit. And so I played shows, but pretty much only people asked me to. And then in the spring, I played a residency at the Cameron House, and that was the first time I actually booked something and played five uh, five weeks there. I and saw you. They're on right on. Cool. And so that's the same band. That's I playing. saw you. Same band's playing this show, and it's the first time I've had a ticketed show in a couple years. So it's, in that sense, it's a big deal. But there's no big release uh, of a recording or anything. I like the uh, Dakota Tavern. Me too. It's just a good vibe dropping down those steps. Yeah. A low ceiling kind of. Yeah. Dirty, stanky, sweaty. Totally. I was there with uh, last time. Well, one of the last times I was there was. Uh, uh, Tim, I need your brains again. Yes, dear. Sidemen used to sing with the Sidemen lead singer, oh. blues guy. Kaiser? No, no, no. no. Um, ugh. White, you know, black. Do you know? No, white guy. He plays harmonica, blues harp. Paul Reddick. Paul Reddick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Paul Reddick. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sweaty fun. You can fire Tim. I'm here now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure Paul. Re- I'm not sure Paul. Re- don't offer that up. I'm not sure Paul Reddick knows his own name when he's performing. Uh. <laughs> He's he's on another planet. Okay, let's talk about your CD. Uh, this is called Cicada. Cicada, yeah. No, Cicada. Okay, sure. Some people say Cicada. <laughs> okay, Chai Chai Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, Cicada, Cicada. Uh, does this have? Is there some uh, you know change, metamorphosis, loud, um, irritating noise is coming out of this CD? <laughs> it's it's uh, yes, it, it draws on that. Um, it came from a song we wrote called Cicada. Myself and Jay Joyce who produced that album. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay's produced my last two albums, and I, he's, uh, he works out of Nashville, someone I'm, I just love working with. He always kind of squeezes me into his incredibly busy schedule. Last time when we made that album, I was between Emmy Lou Harris and The Wallflowers. He had a oh. month, and we made the album together, just the two of us playing everything. So uh, he's a great guy and very talented. And um, we wrote the song uh, Cicada, and it, the, the idea behind that song is just how, uh, as human beings, I think we tend to believe we can bury feelings we have and be done with them but very often years later those feelings can be uh, unearthed and be just as strong as the day or stronger by golly yeah so that's what that song's about in particular and um this album i wrote after my first kind of real relationship fell apart um so how did that feel 
uh, well, it was hard, you know, and um, <laughs> definitely hard. So, so in a sense, it was a metamorphosis in that in that sense. Yeah, coming back around and and. and going at it again well we've got time for i just like really like talking to you i know unfortunately yeah. that means we have one more song time or we could just talk no i want to hear your music <laughs> no i want to hear your music all right uh i mean i don't talk to you but um what are you what are you going to do are you going to do something off the cd since we're talking about the cd or we I can gonna... yeah or do you want an up tempo or a down tempo what are you feeling no it's what you're feeling baby it's what you're feeling um sorry for calling I'll me do baby cicada. really were you going to play it? No. no. Okay. By the way, let's get that queued up. What what song are we going to go out with his of his? Uh, uh, brick by Brick. Cool. Is that? Wait, is that your choice or his choice? I did love he that just, song. Okay. It's... He suggested it. Oh, he did. Okay. I didn't right. suggest that one. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, I'm going to turn the mics off while the kids fight. <laughs> okay, so this is called Cicada, all right? <laughs> oh, no, Landslide. That was the one. Yeah, do that one. Do that one. That all was right. about the relationship falling apart. Do you very, happen to have any happy. prescription medicine on you for no, Tim at all? No. Anything? No, I'm straight as narrow. <laughs> too much, to a fault. I'm allergic to acetaminophen. I can't even have that. What? You should write a song called that. Yeah. Acetaminophen. <laughs> Pain, or painkiller. It's about pain, killing pain. Yeah, yeah. Acetaminophen. You see yeah. what I'm saying, dude? Take me to Nashville. Well, yeah. We'll kill. Yeah. Liam Titcomb on the Drew Marshall Show. Here we go. I heard the thunder clap. I saw the sun leave the sky. And it took me back To the look in your eyes Remember every step Every blade of grass No, I can't forget mm, Your bare feet in your summer dress
His final song, he finally showed off. He finally had a great song to perform on our show. It's about time, Liam. Well done. Way to save the best for... No, that You really are... Uh, I would agree with Mr. Lightfoot. Hmm. You're just something to watch. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I love the, your humility uh, mixed with your talent. It's very Canadian. Um, I love the effortlessness that you bring to what you do. Uh, and yet it, 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 the depth resonates with our souls as well. Jeez, I'm getting all schmaltzy here. This is, stop this nonsense <laughs> right away. Folks, I uh, want to let you know, if you become a new Drew Marshall Show Facebook liker today, you can win a CD from Liam. And the CD is called Cicada. Uh, so go to our Facebook page, The Drew Marshall Show, and uh, we will randomly pick a new Facebook page <laughs> liker. Face pick. Pooge liker, no, like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, then we will contact you for shipping details uh, to win. You must be from Canada, eh? Yeah. So right the on. Drew Marshall show—that's where you want to go. And uh, don't forget, uh, Liam Titcomb will be performing live at Burdock. That's eleven eighty-four Blur Street West, nine p.m. on Tuesday, December the fifteenth. Tickets are thirteen bucks in advance and fifteen at the door. Which CD player am I using, Tim? Right or left? Uh, the this the Denon one. Thanks, Not Tips. Okay. <laughs> You're a meathead. He's yeah, real good. <laughs> Have a little listen to uh, a real good production of this fella, Mr. Liam Titcomb. We'll be right back. So much more coming up on the Drew Marshall Show. You'd see it my way. Fall in love and watch it fall.